happen. So in this series, we've been talking about um, personal hope. We need to have personal hope. We've also been talking about hope for our city, hope for our state, hope for our nation, hope for our world. We need that Christians, us believers, we should be the most hopeful people in all of the world when it comes to these things. And the premise of this whole series, this is the last time I'll probably say this, is that the group or the individuals who have the most hope will have the most influence. And the people with the most influence, their, their message will prevail in culture. So I believe the most hopeful people with a plan of action, that's the message that's going to prevail in culture. And that's what we want to be. The title of my message this week is called uh, Hope's Lens. And there's a, there's a paradigm that we all see the world through. And in order to be a people of hope, we need a biblical paradigm. We need a kingdom paradigm. And this is not typically, the, this is not the default of the, the, the fallen world that we live in. It's not naturally hopeful or thankful. Um, I'm going to give a little illustration of this. Go ahead and put that picture up, if you would, J.D. You guys remember this, um, this dress, right? Okay. Um, just a couple years ago, this was like on, on social media a lot, and no one agrees on like the color of this dress. How many see, um, how many see gold and white? Gold and white. It's a gold and white dress. Okay. <laughs> now, how many see black and blue? Okay. Okay. Now, half of you are liars, right? <laughs> liars over here. Truth people over here. Actually, I'm freaking out right now because right now I'm seeing black and blue, and I've never seen black and blue before. Yeah. I'm actually freaking out because <laughs> I always see white and gold. This is so weird. Every time. Every time I see, I see white and gold. <laughs> this is like the first time it's happened to so I'm like, what's happening? <laughs> so I always see white and gold. I, in fact, I, I've tried to... You don't see anything? White and gold? Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of people see white and gold. And so, um, for the longest time, until this very weird moment that I'm standing in, <laughs> I don't know what's happening, um, I couldn't unsee the gold and the white. Like, the, I tried hard to unsee the gold and white. Maybe this is prophetic, like, this, this is going to be a good message. Anyway, um, but I've watched videos on this, and, like, from a, from a factual standpoint, this dress is, like in other lights, it is actually blue and black. So I'm sorry for you gold and white people. It actually is blue and black, okay? Um, and it doesn't look that way to you, but in the light, it is. Now, until this very moment, uh, my brain, every time I saw this, would interpret it wrong, right? My brain, I knew my brain was interpreting it wrong because I researched, like, the actual color of this. And I just want to say that... The, the, the view we have of the world, the view we have of the situation that we're walking through, like there's a lens that we're looking at the world through. There's a lens that we're looking at the circumstance in our lives that we're walking through. And I just want to say, sometimes um, my mind and my paradigm is saying one thing, but you need to hold up the biblical paradigm to your mind and see it through this paradigm. And sometimes you can't even trust like what you're thinking. But I'm like, I know the word of God says this. I believe this. My mind, I can't unsee this gold and, and white dress. I can't unsee it, but the Bible says that it's this color. You know, it doesn't actually say about this color, but you know what I'm saying. The situation in life is this, and we have to look at it through, this situa- through, through, the, through the lens of the Bible, all right? And so the thing about 
Deception is it's deceiving, right? That was very deep. Write that down. Deception is deceiving. The thing about deception is, the, the, the deceiving thing about deception is you don't know you're being deceived, right? Okay, so there are cases in your own life where you're walking through something and you're so in the middle of the situation, you cannot see the truth in that situation. This is why it's important to know the truth. This is why it's important to have people around you who love you, who, who love you and are, can, will tell you the truth and are committed to you. I have people in my life, they're committed to me, I know they love me, and I know they will tell me the truth if I'm in deception, right? And I could trust those people, even if I'm like, but I see it this way. They're like, no, there's, I'm telling you, it's, it's this other way. And so um, what, well, I want to kind of toy with you a little bit this morning, but the question I want to ask you today is this. If the world that you're living in was getting better, would you, would you even know it? Or let me say this. If your life was getting better, would you even know it? Because typically what happens is things get better over time, but they like fall apart instantly. Like your life, you'll have a crisis like today, and you're like, my life is upside down. But then as you recover and things get better and better and better, that happens slowly. Now, to be sure, in the world, some things are like obviously getting worse, right? I don't look around and think everything's getting better. But in some ways, listen, in some ways, the world actually is getting better. I mean, you can look at the last 200 years, the history of 200 years of, of wealth and lifespan and that kind of stuff and diseases that have been eradicated, like in my lifetime, like diseases have been eradicated since I've been born. Like in, those, in that regard, the world is much better. Okay, but in some ways worse, obviously. But let me, let me tell you this. Do you know how to know if the world, like the world you live in, <clears throat> how do you know that the world had a good day? They don't get, you know, you don't turn on the news at night and they're like... We had a good day today, you know, <laughs> pretty much great all around the world. Things look good. No, because this is, this is how you know the world had a good day. You turn on the news and it's really boring. They run all those B stories that they have in the bag for no news days, like when nothing happened. They have a few of them in the bag, right? That's how you know the world had a good day. And you wouldn't even know it, right? Because you're not really like, man, eh, the news is whatever, it's just... Things are going on. But you know when the world had a bad day, because it's like CNN news alert, Fox news alert, boom, 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 it's right in front of you. You know for sure when the world had a really bad day. You don't really notice when the world had a good day. And so it's like bad news is like a car wreck. You drive by a car wreck, and it's like it's hard not to, what's going on? What happened? It's hard not to look at the, the mangled metal, right? And so have you, ever, have you ever, I don't know if anyone else, I'm just going to ask this question. Has anyone else in this room driven by a car wreck, and I've had this thought before. I think everyone is looking over here, and I just want to check and see, is there anything over here that no one's looking at? Has anyone ever done that? Yeah. Seriously, I'm asking this question. Tim, you're the only one, Tim? Okay, me, Tim, and David, great. Good deal. Yeah, sometimes I'm like, I think everyone in the world is looking at this. I want to just see if there's anything else happening. I don't know, that's just a... But I think we're conditioned because of the world we live in, to hear bad news. We're conditioned to hear bad news. Um, and, and the news networks, they're, they're trying to bait you. They're trying to get you to watch. And because they're selling advertisement spots, right? And they know if they get more viewership, they can sell that advertising spot to advertisers. And so, yes, in some ways, the world, like morality, like I look at morality, like, yes, that's pretty discouraging. But in some ways, the world is getting better. And I think it's important for us to be a people of hope we need to look at the things that are actually going well in our own lives and in the world around us. 
right? The Bible says, like, whatever is good, pleasing, and perfect, meditate, think on these things. That's super important to, to us being a people of hope, to you being a person of hope. So um, I'm going to give an example of focusing on what is good in the world by uh, this video. Go ahead and roll that, J.D. Because people come back from flights and they tell you their story. And it's like a horror story. It's they act like their flight was like a cattle car in the 40s in Germany. That's yeah. how bad they make it sound. Right. They're like, it was the worst day of my life. First of all, we didn't board for 20 minutes. Right. And then we get on the plane and they made us sit there on the runway for 40 minutes. We had to sit there. Oh, really? What happened next? Did you fly through the air incredibly like a bird? Did you partake in the miracle? of human flight, you non-contributing zero, that you got to fly, you're flying! It's amazing! Everybody on every plane should just constantly be going, oh my god! Wow! Yes! You're flying! You're, you're sitting in a chair in the sky. Yes. It doesn't go back a lot. <laughs> and it's, and it's not really... You know, here's the thing. People, like, they say there's delays on flights. Yeah. Delays, really? New York to California in five hours. That used to take 30 years <laughs> to do that. And a bunch of you would die on the way there and have a baby. You'd be a whole different group of people by the time you got there. <laughs> now you watch a movie in your home. Yeah. Nicer way to say it than that. Right? I mean, that is like so many things in our lives where we think the world's falling apart. It's terrible. Now, to be, to be, to be real, to be honest, yeah, the world could go to hell in a handbasket like today. I realize that Kim Jong-un, is that the guy, could launch a missile, we retaliate, we make China mad, and then all of a sudden it's over. Like, I get it, it could all like fall apart today. I'm just saying that the current world we live in, the situation we live in, is pretty amazing. And we don't notice it. Like, the world you live in is actually pretty awesome. We don't even realize it. So... And this, I think this will translate to you being a more hopeful person individually and more, and us as a church, because I want to change the city. I want to have hope for the city that we live in. Amen? So um, let's talk about hope's lens, or, or rather love's lens. Um, if you would, take your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians 13. We're going to read uh, verse 4 through 7. This is a super well-known um, passage of Scripture. It's the love, the love chapter. And I want to, I want to, Dig into this a little bit. It says this, um, speaking about love, we need to walk in love. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts. Check this out. Love always hopes and always perseveres. It, it stands to reason, I think, that if, um, if love always hopes that any area of your life where you don't have hope is not under the influence of God's love. Any area of your life where you don't have hope, I, I, could, I would say, is not under the influence of God's love. And you're probably believing something, you're probably believing a lie about that situation. For example, if there's a family situation going on, and you've totally lost hope for that person. I want to propose to you that if you've totally lost hope for that person, that 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 individual or that situation, that you're not walking fully in God's love for that, for that situation or receiving God's love fully for that situation. Or I'll say this, any area of the world where you don't have hope, 
um, is not under the influence of God's love? Is there a certain people group in the world or a certain part of the world where you've just said, I'm done with them. They're not going to, they're never going to get better. God's never going to break through. God's never going to touch them. Have you given up on people? Have you given up on parts of the world? Have you given up hope on certain things? Uh, one John, First uh, John chapter 4, verse 8 says this, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Now, maybe that's not to say that, like, you're not saved if you don't have love for a particular situation or a particular reason. But, um, but if the more you know God, the more you know Jesus, the more love that you'll, you'll walk in. Because what you behold is what you become, right? When you behold the, the, the beauty of the Lord, the majesty of the Lord, when you, when you have a relationship with him and you're walking with him, what you behold is what you become. And so, now... Um, God is love. So if God is love, and you, you guys have probably heard preachers do this before. If God is love, um, then we could supplement the word love in this chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, with the name Jesus, right? Because Jesus is love. So check this out. Let's read it again with the name Jesus. Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. Jesus does not envy. Jesus does not boast. Jesus is not proud. Jesus does not dishonor others. Jesus is not self-seeking. Jesus is not easily angered. Some of you need to hear that. Jesus is not easily angered. It doesn't say he doesn't get angry. It just says he's not easily angered, right? Okay, just like it's not a sin to be angry. It's a sin to be like to fly off the handle at people really easily. Jesus keeps no record of wrongs. Amen? You guys say amen to that. Jesus does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. Jesus always protects. Jesus always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Isn't that good? Now, Let's see if we can take this one step further. And if we're supposed to be like, like our papa, right? Can we supplement, can you supplement your name in this chapter where it says love? So, for example, Kurt, Kurt is patient. Usually, I don't know, sometimes this morning my kids were kind of driving me crazy. Get out the door, wear your shoes. Kurt is kind. Kurt does not envy. Kurt does not boast. Kurt is not proud. Kurt does not dishonor others. Kurt is not self-seeking. Kurt is not easily angered. Kurt keeps no record of wrongs. Is that true, babe? <laughs> yeah. Never kept any record of wrongs. Yeah. Um, Kurt does not ke- keeps no record of wrongs. Kurt does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Kurt always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Amen? So this is where we want to be as a people. We want to be the people that always protect, always trust, always hope, and always persevere. Being a person of hope is being like Jesus. Being a person of hope is walking in love. And so... Um, I want to kind of take this and, and go to a, kind of do a heart assessment on all of us. We're all going to take, a, take an inventory of where our hearts are at and where our hope level for ourselves, individuals, and this world is kind of at. So um, go ahead and throw up that diagram, that first one. So we're going we're gonna to kind of plot a, on this graph here where, where you're at. And you can, you can self-identify where you're at on this graph. So we have one axis that's high hope versus low hope. And then um, low honesty versus high honesty. And so, or you could supplement the word honesty with like reality. So the person, you're, you're real. You're connected to the reality of the situation. You're connected to the reality of the world. Because we want to have hope, but we're not like ignorant of like the world has some serious and real problems, right? So we're connect, we want to be connected to the fact, the, the actual reality of the situation. Okay, and I'm going to use, to help illustrate each of these four quadrants, I want to I use Winnie the Pooh characters to tell you the type of person in each of those. So go ahead and go to the first one, if you would. Okay, this lower, um, this lower right quadrant here, this person um, is heavy-hearted and they're overwhelmed, okay? So they're, they have low hope, but they have high honesty. 
Um, everything's hard. You know, the world's pretty bad, but it's not going to get any better, okay? They're pretty honest, but they're not very hopeful. I think, I think the Winnie the Pooh character here is like Rabbit, right? Rabbit's pretty honest, but not very hopeful. So Rabbit's always thinking about the bad thing that could happen, right? Oh, they're always worrying the bad thing that could happen, but isn't like focusing on the good things that are happening, okay? So this is Rabbit. This type of person, and Rabbit's always storing up food for winter, this type of person never, would never take a risk. It's like, you know, the parable of the talents, the one who buried his talents. This is, this is Rabbit. Like, I can't let go of anything because I'm not trusting, right? Um, this, person, this person doesn't want to give money to a homeless person because they're convinced that that homeless person is just going to be enabled, and they can't fathom a world where that would be a hand up for that person, right? And listen, Elijah, we had Elijah up here a minute ago. He, he was homeless, like, Elijah used to be homeless, and he will tell you, it wasn't just because he didn't feel like working and wanted to just have handouts. He actually, people came alongside of him and said, we want to help you get off the streets, right? Am I right? Yeah, he wanted to get off the streets. He wanted help getting off the streets. He needed someone to come alongside him and help him. So people in this category, they, many times they can't fathom um, giving away because they think, oh, it's not going to change anyway. They have very low hope, very low expectation anything good will happen. Um, they don't want to tie. They don't want to give to the Lord's work, to the church. Um, because something might come up and I might need that money. I don't want to let go of that. And they're probably, this person, they're probably a hard worker, but they're not, they're not trusting God, right? Okay, so let's go to the next one. Okay, this is um, the upper right corner here. This person, this is a hollow heart, um, and they're optimistic at best, okay? Um, they have high hope, very high hope, but they're not connected to reality, very low reality. They're not being real. This person's not being real. They have high hope, but they're not engaged with reality. Relationships like this, and listen, I've been all over the board here on, all throughout my life, I've been all over the board here. These relationships are like a mile wide and an inch deep, they're real shallow, right? And um, the, the character, the Winnie Pooh character, this is like Tigger. He's like super hopeful, right? But he'll also just jump over you. He's like, oh, you're going through the hard thing? You're fine, it's gonna be great. And then they're, and he's gone. It's like, well, you didn't help me at all, you know. You ever know those people? They're just super optimistic, but, they, but there's no, like, connection to reality. Okay, so, um, and this is why Romans 12, 15, it says, it says rejoice with those who rejoice. That's important. That's a good thing. But it also says mourn with those who mourn. If someone's mourning, you, you want to cheer them up. You want to help them. But you don't want to be, like, jumping over them and totally disconnected from what's going on in their lives. Um, I'll give you an example of this. Um, sometimes when people are going through something hard or a tragedy, it's hard to know what to say sometimes. Like, if you've ever been around someone they just lost a loved one or something tragic happened, it's hard to know what to say sometimes. And sometimes just because we don't know what to say, you say the wrong thing. But I'll give you an example of some. My wife and I went through a miscarriage um, in between Trinity and every our two daughters. And I know many that's happened to many of you here. But people will say things like this. They're like, um, <coughs> where am I at? <laughs> What do they say? Okay, yeah. You could tell it deeply wounded me. I wouldn't for, couldn't forget it. Yeah, keep no record of wrongs, exactly. And by the way, when people say dumb things to me, I'm, I'm like, I'm going through I just know it's okay. Like, I don't hold it against them. Like, we're all learning. Um, but they'll say things like this. Oh, you'll have another one. It's okay. You'll have another one. I'm like, well, how does that apply to this? Like, apply that if the kid was, like, two, three, four, five years old. If a kid, look, God forbid, someone loses a kid who's five years old. You'd never go up to them and be like, you'll have another one. <laughs> Think about that. 
time and nutrition is the only difference here. Like, <laughs> come on. You'll have it. So don't say you'll have another one. The other one, don't say this to people. Um, God needed an angel in heaven. God needed another angel. Like, oh, so we killed my kids so I could have another angel in heaven. Thank you, God. You know, come on, people. <laughs> and by the way, that's not even biblical. Like, when you die, you don't become an angel. Like, you're always, you're always infinite. You're infinitely like human, okay? And there are angels and they're separate beings. So they're both in heaven. So you won't become an angel. All right. Enough of that. But people say things like that, right? Okay. That's not really um, high, high reality. First Corinthians, again, First Corinthians 13, 7, love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always, per- and check this out. We've been talking about perseverance in this too. Love always perseveres. So love hopes, but it perseveres alongside. In other words, it's not, it doesn't just say, oh, I see you're down there in the trenches. It's like, hey, I have a high expectation, a high level of hope for you, but I'm going to get down here in the trenches with you, and I'm going to persevere alongside of you. Love perseveres. All right? So we don't necessarily want to be Tigger jumping over people. It's great to, at least these people are fun to be around, though, right? <laughs> they're usually in a good mood, and uh, they're fun to be around. Okay, let's go to the next one. This one, this one's probably the worst of all. Low hope, low honesty. This is a hardened heart. This person is different. They have low hope, low honesty. They don't even, this person doesn't even care. They won't look pain in the face because they know it doesn't matter. It won't make a difference. And things are probably actually a lot better than this person realizes. They're actually, they're not correct, connected to reality. They're not even being honest. The world is better than they think. Amen? And so, which Winnie the Pooh character do you think this one is? Everyone, everyone knows. It's Eeyore. I've been in Eeyore before, but Eeyores are not fun to be around, right? So don't be an Eeyore. Don't <laughs> they're not fun to be around. This, this person could be around someone who's hurting. Have you ever been like you're around someone who's hurting, and then someone else starts talking about their problems, like, like they've got to top their problems? Like that's what an Eeyore would do. They would be around someone who needs help, who needs ministry, who needs healing, and then they'd be like, you got problems. Let me tell you about my problems. <laughs> Right? This would be like, as a pastor, we, we, we do hospital visits from time to time, and sometimes there's just tragedies that happen that you have to walk through it with people. That'd be like me going to the hospital, and like, people are like talking about their problems and what's going on, the tragedy, and I'm like, my sprinkler system's broke this week, you know? <laughs> like, what good is that? They're like, thank you for bringing your problems here. thought you were going to help. But these kind of people, they're like a bucket with a hole in it. No matter how much you pour into this bucket, they never get full. It just drains, drains, drains. They, they take, 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 take. Okay, so my wife and I did, we did college, young adult ministry for nine years. And um, <laughs> there was this girl um, Emily told me about. We were, we were having a service. She came up to the altar for prayer. And I, I saw her crying, and she was receiving ministry. And um, Emily prayed for it at the altar. And later on, She's like, hey, do you want to know what that girl needed prayer for? I was like, we don't always tell each other what people need prayer for because sometimes it's just confidential. We don't even talk about that together a lot of times. I'm like, well, what did she need prayer for? She's like, she, okay, she's 18 years old. This girl's 18. She goes, I just feel like, I just feel like I'm never going to get married. She's 18. And listen, she's beautiful. This girl is beautiful. She's 18 years old, beautiful, and just like in despair that she feels like she's never going to get married. So low hope and very low honesty, right? And literally, this person was married like one year later. Like we were laughing about. And, and I like, she's married one year later. And I'm like, I'll never forget that. Anyway, that was hilarious. I just cracked it. We just like after our service, we just kind of cracked up. <laughs> so low hope, low honesty. She's gorgeous, 18 years old. Yes, you're going to get married. You're fine. So um, Eeyores can be 
powerless. They don't have a lot of gratitude. There's not a lot of thankfulness going on in their lives. And um, with that, let's go to the last one. Okay, this is the healthy heart. This person, um, they have high hope and high honesty. They're connected to reality, okay? Um, very connected to reality. They're not afraid to look pain in the eyes. Amen? Like our friend Elijah back there. He's not afraid to look pain in the eyes, and he has high hope for these people. He's um, not afraid to engage the world with hope. This is the, the winning character I think would be like Christopher Robin. He's like always helping and always has hope and, and knows all the characters' weaknesses and their faults and helps them along. But really, this is a picture. The person with high hope and high honesty, high reality is Jesus. Jesus had high hope. Jesus was fully connected to reality. For example, the woman, the woman who's caught in adultery, the Pharisees bring him to Jesus and say, uh, the law says we're supposed to stone her. What say you? Jesus says, uh, hey, you, who, you without, the, the, without sin in your life, you can cast the first stone. And of course, they leave one by one, leaving the woman there um, with Jesus. And Jesus, um, hey, we're your accusers. He says, we're your accusers to the woman. Not there are none here. Well, neither do I condemn you. So there's hope. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. That's the connection to reality, right? That's the grace and the truth, the grace, um, uh, hope, and honesty. Neither do I condemn you. Or how about this one? Jesus, and Jesus did this time and time and time again. He, he got right in there with people. He looked pain in the eyes. He had hope higher than any of us could ever have and fully connected to the reality of the situation. He didn't just kind of say, yeah, yeah, you're going to be great. Another one is this. Um, this is a pretty good one. The thief on the cross, right? They're hanging on the cross. And the honesty of the situation, Jesus is like, to be completely honest with you guys, today we're all going to die. You know? <laughs> There's the honesty. The hope in the situation that he said to the thief on the cross is, but today you're coming with me. Today you're going to be with me in paradise, right? Yeah. High level of hope for this person, but very honest with the situation that was at hand. Okay, we as a people, as Christians, as individuals, we want to be in this upper right corner. We want to have high hope, high engagement. We want to do something about the world around us. Amen? Okay, uh, I'll get some examples of uh, other examples of this. When raising kids in our culture, like we want to raise our kids to be godly. We want, we want them in the word. We want them to pray. We want them to have a relationship with Jesus, but we want to do it with reality. Like the reality is there's drugs in this world. There's there's um, sex, which isn't bad in and of itself. It's out of context that it's bad. Alcohol, these kind of things. We want to engage them with high hope and a high level of reality. And my wife and I have done a lot of premaritals over the years. And uh, on the survey, it asked about like, what was, what was the view of, of sex growing up in your home? Like what, what your parents talked about, what was the view? And a lot of them say this was a taboo or dirty subject. And um, so it's, and obviously it's not because God made it, right? It's God's, God's design. But the devil twists it, the devil perverts it, and religion doesn't do much better because religion shames it. It says like, oh, this part of that desire you have, let's just cover that up, let's pacify that, let's, let's get rid of that. And this is where we go wrong. We, we, we tell the truth, but we're not doing it with hope. We're, so we're using fear as a tactic, right? We're using control as a tactic. We're using shame as a tactic. And what we want to do is engage with honesty. Like, hey, instead, here's a vision for your life. Here's a hope for your life. If you keep yourself sexually pure until you get married, there's a blessing in that for you. Amen? So instead of saying all these bad things could happen, like, give them a vision. Give them a reason to walk that line, Right? If you, if you avoid substance abuse, here's a vision for your life. Here's some bad reasons 
why this is a trap for you. Give them a vision for their life, not just a, a list of don't do's, right? Not just a list of, Christianity is not a list of things. It's a relationship with a person, but we're doing it because there's a goal in mind. We're doing it to have a, a, a living, breathing, vibrant relationship with our God. So, amen? Um, so we teach, we teach kids to, you have an appetite for something. We'll manage that appetite. We're going to teach you to manage that appetite. We're going to teach you to have that appetite in the right context, right? It's not in and of itself evil. So um, that's, that's applying um, having high hope and a high reality, high honesty. Okay. Um, go, ahead and, go ahead and throw that, uh, that picture back up, the dress. I can't believe it. It still looks black and blue to me, and it never happened until this very moment. It's so weird. Freaking out up here, guys. I would have bet you, if I, if I didn't know, like, last week that this was, there was a controversy surrounding this dress, I would have bet $1,000 that this dress was gold and white. But I would have been wrong. I would have been wrong. And so what I want to say to you guys today is there are circumstances in your life that you're not looking at through the correct lens. Okay? Sometimes you cannot see what you need to see. You cannot see the truth of the situation. So when you get a, when you get a diagnosis, sometimes you're so close to that diagnosis, you can't see actually what God wants you to see in that situation. The, the family member who's misbehaving, the family member who's gone, who's not serving the Lord, that sometimes that situation is so close to you, you can't see it. There's a career situation, a loss of a job, that kind of a thing. Um, a financial situation. Sometimes it's right here in your face. You can't see a relationship. Um, I've done this in my life where, like, I need to walk in forgiveness towards someone. I've actually told people, hey, um, I've gone through this painful thing. This painful thing happened to me, and I need you to know about it, and I need you to listen to the way I talk about this person. And if you hear um, this animosity, if you hear me cutting this person, if you hear me saying negative things about this person, I need you to call me on it. Amen? I need people who will have that high level of truth who, will, who speak to me in their life. Forgiveness is a huge one. Like, we'll, we'll talk more about forgiveness in the future, but forgiveness is a huge dynamic of the kingdom of God. Like, if, if you're walking in unforgiveness, you are bound. Like, you're not receiving everything God has for you. So I'm going to leave you, I'm gonna leave you guys with um, a couple of verses, and uh, we're going to close with a song. Is that happening? You guys can go ahead and come up if you would. It boils down, I think, to having the right lens, um, having faith, having hope, having a connection to high reality, but it boils down to um, trusting the Lord. Amen. So um, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6, check this out. There's a situation you're going to. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. There's some things in your current understanding which you can't trust yourself in. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Uh, Romans chapter 5, 13, and I'll, I'll just close with this verse. We'll pray. Um, may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you, watch this, trust in him, right? Trust is key in all this, so that you may overflow by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm going to pray. Father, we thank you that you're good. Father, we thank you that um, you've called us to be engaged, God, in our culture. You've called us to be engaged, God, in people's lives. God, you've called us to be engaged in these situations that people are going through, God, but with the highest hope possible, the highest level of engagement possible, Lord. So we just come before you, God, and I ask that we would be a people of hope, Lord God, that we'd be a church of hope, Lord God, as we trust in you, Lord God, 
And we would look, God, through that biblical paradigm, that kingdom paradigm, the situations that we're going through. We wouldn't look through the lens of the world. We wouldn't look through the lens of this fallen world, this, that pessimistic spirit that comes upon us that tries to um, keep us down, Lord God. I just bless everyone here today, God. And I, I pray that we continue to grow in hope, Lord God, that we would continue to grow in hope, that God of hope would fill us with joy and peace, that we'd overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. God bless you guys.